on today's episode of Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. The phone call that I got and my cousin says, did you see the news? And I said, no, I'm driving. And I just asked them, was it? And I just said the name, mm-hmm. not, not male name. I said, was it Morgan? And he said, yes. And I pulled over and I broke down crying. This episode is sure to deliver stimulating conversations and aha moments that may give you a fresh perspective. If any moment made your soul vibrate, please leave us a review and let us know if we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe and visit BlackGirlsGettingTheirShiftTogether.com to access exclusive offers and coaching packages. The coaching packages include clarity calls, VIP one-on-one exclusive coaching, and my absolute favorite, the Tribe Vibes. A Tribe Vibe is a twist on Ladies' Night, focusing on self-care for Black women with a holistic approach. Welcome to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. I'm your host, Ursula, a transformation life coach and mental health and wellness advocate. This is a safe space for amazing Black women to share open, honest dialogue about mental health and wellness, self-care, self-love, and basically how to get our shift together. Let's tune in to this week's episode. And... I sit up, he, he just looks at me, doesn't say anything, don't say a word. How far were you all from each other? We were just sitting right across <laughs> from one another. Girl! <laughs> in waiting, you know, in the waiting room, the chairs are pretty, you know, they're not too far away. Maybe, what, three feet? Um, <laughs> That's enough reach. That's Yeah, and because when I get there, like I said, I didn't, he, didn't, he didn't say a word, he just looked at me. Did she look at you or say anything, this woman? Yeah, but she didn't pay any attention necessarily to me. She didn't know who I was. Um, and so when I walked in and I looked at him and when he didn't say anything and I looked and I'm like, that's the wife. And I'm like, okay, all right, I got you. So I go and I sit down directly in front of both of them. And so I just sat there. Mm -hmm. So I just sat there and I'm just looking at them. And I'm like, okay. Uh And he never said a word. Did he look at you? He would glance up at me every now and then, but didn't, didn't, never said hi, never said, hey, baby, never nothing. He's just I'm like, okay, girl, this, this is what we gonna do, okay. Mm-hmm. And so the people they called him, and he, but he had already been to the back, so they called him, I guess, to discharge him or whatever. He goes up and talks to the lady and whatever she gives him, and then 
he proceeds to walk out the door. So she gets up and she starts walking out also. And so I walk behind them. And so when we get outside to the parking lot, I called his name. And I said, are you really going to pretend like you don't see me? Mm-hmm. And he, <laughs> he turns around and he tell he's, he kept telling me, Sonia, go home. Sonia, go home. Girl. And I said, oh, my God. I said, what is she doing here? And I think I guess that's when she realized who I was. I, I I don't know if she still knew who I was, but you know, with with the conversation going on. Um, and so he was like, go home, go home. And <clears throat> so I started walking to my car and he comes behind me. He just kind of hurried me along. Mm. And I'm like, what are you doing? And so he was like, get in the car, go home. So I get in the car and I'm like, all right, I get in the car, I drive home and I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. So yeah. I get home, I took everything that he owned <laughs> in the house and I put it in the hallway so that when he got home, you get your stuff and you get out. I'm yeah, done. yeah. Like we're not, we're not doing this. So he gets, he gets home not too long after he sees his stuff and he was like, you know, what is this? I'm like, I'm done. And he was like, um, I said, and how how are you going to have her at the hospital? What is she doing there? Why did you call her? But you didn't want me to come. What what, mm -hmm. are you, what is this? He was like, well, I had to have, you know, she the insurance is still under her name, blah, 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 whatever. He was like, and I was rushing you because she had a knife and she wanted she was going to stab you. And I'm like, what? He oh, like, say poke next time, just in case. Oh, if YouTube, that's okay. I didn't even think about it until unless YouTube was going to trip. But just say, um, yeah. but yeah, he was like, yeah, she had, and she, you know, that's what she was going to do. And I'm like, what? You know, mm. whatever. Um, well, needless to say, he talked this way into <laughs> not leaving. Um, I forgave him mm -hmm. these days. Um. And so that was that situation. Again, probably another red flag. Right, <laughs> um, right. I dismissed, right? I, I dismissed it. And life went on again. Yes. Mm. And, you know, again, it was just, it was just, it was one of those, it was one of those things. Um, and we continued on with life. Right, right. Yeah. You know, the manipulation was so deep. And then he's already alternate uh, the the reality or your reality was already distorted. This is these are effects of mm -hmm. mental, psychological A. It, it's it. the pattern, right? It, it's the pattern. Right. And so, you know, when we talk about DV and, you know, really just the the definition of it is a, it's a pattern of abusive behavior, right? Mm. And so that's a pattern of particular behaviors. And it doesn't just come one way, you know, it can look multiple ways. And so when an individual is skilled <laughs> at those behaviors, you can use 
it can come different all from all different angles. And so when you have someone that is dealing with all of these type of behaviors from one individual, and at the same time, you have this individual that, you know, cares for you, right? Even though it might look distorted. Mm -hmm. And the individual also says that they love you and that they care for you. But at the same time, they're doing these things that don't quite seem like love. Um, and they're removing you from your support system. And the only person that you have to depend on is this person. Yes. Right. And so when, you know, when people say things like, why do you stay? Or why don't you just leave? It really is not as easy as people want to make it out to be. Yeah. And then if you have someone that, you know, you have the physical abuse, the physical going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have emotional going on, you have psychological going on, and God forbid if there's sexual going on and economic. Oh my God, yes. It's it's a perfect storm, right? It's a perfect storm. And so, no, it is not as easy as people want to make it out to believe. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, at the time I was not a 40 year old woman. I was a 20 year old girl. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Um, So, yeah. So um, I want to talk about the moment of strength that you had. That was so empowering when I was listening to it. I I didn't even know you. I was like, I'm so proud of this woman. But I know you have to talk about the phone call or when you made a phone call. I guess you looked at at his phone, made a phone call, and then those events transpired into your moment of strength. And I believe this is where the pivot came. So you mind explaining that? Yeah. Um, so it, so I'll start this way. So in, in 2006, I, um, had left my job. I I started a business. Um, and so some months after, you know, he and I had a conversation and decided, okay, I was going to leave my job to dedicate my time to my business, but also help him expand his, Mm-hmm. And so I worked as like the office manager, did payroll for his company, blah, 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 you know, paid the bills, all that kind of stuff. Well, this one particular day when I am paying the bills, I was paying the phone bill, particularly the cell phone bill. And so when I went online to pay the bill and the call log came up, which was weird because I had never done that before <laughs> that I could see the call log and in the account. And so I looked at the call log and I noticed that there was some numbers that were repetitive and they were repetitive at different hours of the day and night. Uh-huh. And so, you know, me and my inquisitiveness, um, I'm trying to figure out what, well, whose number is this and whose number is that a couple of them I knew. Right. Um, it was one particular number that, I didn't know. And so I started being I spy and I found out who the number belonged to and um, end up finding out. I, I found out who the person was, where she oh. worked, 
because I had a friend that worked at the same place that she worked. And so, yeah, like this all came together very, very. I didn't know that part. Yeah. Um, I found out who she was and I got her number and I called her one day. Never said who I was. Um, I just asked if she knew him. She said yes, that he was her mechanic. Um, asked her how long she knew him. She told me. Um, she just said, you know, that there was nothing going on, that he was just her mechanic. And at the time, like, I just wanted to tell her, girl, run. Like, <laughs> don't. Mm. But I wasn't even at the place where I could do that because I was still in denial. So, right. You know, um, and so I questioned him about her and he just said that um, she was a friend. She was, a, I guess, ex-girlfriend of a friend of his that had got killed. Unalived. Um, another lie. No. Uh, yeah. Say unalived. Unalive. Yes. Unalive. <laughs> Um, I should have told you before. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's um, sorry, YouTube. Um, that yeah, that wasn't you know wasn't with us any longer. And so I was like, mm, okay, but why are you talking to her so much? So right. he, he weaseled his way out of that. You know, made an excuse for it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. But it just wasn't sitting well with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that intuition is real, that, isn't that it? Intuition. Look, as I got older, I started listening to it and understanding it and really tapping into to that because, you know, being young, I didn't know. But I, I, I learned. I learned. Um, and so um, I call her. She tells me what she tells me. And then so one day, I guess she told him that I I called. And because I hadn't told him that I had called her. Mm-hmm. And so she tells him that he gets she got a phone call. And I guess he put two and two together and found, realized it was me. And when he asked me, I told him, yes, I had called her. And then he blasts off on me. You know, why are you calling my customers? Da, da, this, that, and the third. And I'm like, yeah, that's not just your customer. Who talks to their customer at one, two o'clock in the morning? For, Absolutely. For an hour. Like, come on now. So um, that there catapulted everything because that blew everything up. Um, And that particular night when that happened, when that conversation happened earlier in the day, it carried on throughout the night to the night. Um, When we got home that night, um, it blew all the way up did it and that was um the night that he told me because before this incident he had threatened to kill me unalive he had threatened to unalive (laughs) um and you know, he has brandished a firearm, you know, a pow pow, a pow pow, a pow pow. <laughs> He's pow powed at me, you know, and those, you know, you said he pointed a pow pow at you. He had pointed one. He had brandished it. Um, it had come off in the home. Um, you know, he was a, you know, Russian. Art, really? You know, 
Yeah. Um, and those, you know, and even wow. through those, those were not things that were enough for me to leave. Mm -hmm. Because through that, you asked me about, did he cry? Yes. As time went on, when he started doing things, he would always cry. He would always threaten to harm himself, right? I don't want to be here any longer and harm himself. And what would I do? I would run to him. I would run to his defense, right? No, you don't want to. Everything will be okay. I'm sorry. Da -da -da -da. Things will get better. You know, mm -hmm. all of that. Um, and those things were not enough for me to leave. Right. Right. Um, but that particular night when, after we got home and, you know, he, we fought, you know, he beat me that night and told me that if he had had one of those, that he would have. A pop pile. Uh-huh. And what? incidentally, about two weeks before that happened, he had removed that pow pow from the home because it was always in the house. And I don't know why he had removed it, but he had. Mm. And he said, if I had one, I would you right now. That's why it wasn't used that. OK, that that particular night. Mm -hmm. And so. You know, that night when he said that, and I just looked at him, I didn't, I didn't flinch. I didn't anything. I just looked at him like, I feel sorry for you, you know, kind of a thing. Mm. And he threw a bar stool at me. What did he? I didn't know that. Like he was like there was only so many things, and, you know that that in that one hour show, like we're talking. Yeah. Don't worry, y'all. You're on black girls getting their shit together. Eleven okay. years, eleven what? years of history. You know that had to go into an hour. But girl, you are talking to production right here. It's all right. Go ahead. <laughs> but he, um, but yeah, he threw a bar stool, and hmm. the bar stool fell short. And it fell and I had a um, glass uh, living room table, the, the, um, the yeah, living room table. So the bar stool falls through the middle of the table, glass grows all over the living room. Now, the thing was, he had never broken anything in the house before and or destroyed anything in the house. Like he had punched holes in the wall and that type of thing. Right. But he had never broken anything. And I don't know when that happened, like some snap, like, you know, we, we with a broken glass bar stool. That's what, yeah. wow. When, when that, when I saw that glass just all over the living room floor and he said that, you know, he would do what he would do. And I just looked at him and I'm like, I feel sorry for you. Mm. And, you know, shortly after that, then he um, started his crying bit. <laughs> he started his crying bit. You know, he got down on his knees. He started his crying bit. And I didn't run to his, I didn't run to him that night. Girl, good for you. And like something in me at that point, I was, I wasn't scared anymore. Mm. I was mad now. And mm. I had never done that before. And I was just, I was like, yeah, I can't do this no more. Wow. And like, this is, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning by this time. 
And it was late. I had to be up early the next morning. And so we had went to bed, laid across the bed, you know, fell asleep, get up the next morning. He goes to work. Like nothing happened. Nothing happened. He goes to work. And I um, I had actually to be in court the next morning. Um, for him or unrelated? No, totally unrelated. Oh, okay. Okay. And so I go to court. I had, you know, bruises on my face. So I had put foundation on mm. to cover up everything and, um, you know, finish up the court. And the van I had been driving, because, you know, I didn't even have, at this time, I didn't even have a car that was mine. Um, I was driving around my, because I had a, a beauty supply business. So I was driving around my beauty supply van. And that was my transportation. And it was having some issues. <laughs> and um, so after I get out of court and I called him and I was like, hey, I need you to look at the van. So I go over to the garage. He looks at the van. It needed like some brake power, brake plow, brake fluid or something. He looks at it. Everything's good. He gave me five dollars so I can get some lunch. And um, I go to the office, the office mm -hmm. that we shared, that we had our business. And um, I called my cousin on my way there. And I was like, hey, I need you to meet me at the office and bring your camera. And she was like, OK. So she comes to the office. I had taken my foundation and everything off. Oh, and the mask. Yeah, I see what you did. finally removed it. Whoa. And she, um, I told her what was going on, what had been happening. I had her take some pictures of me. And um, she talked to me for about another two, two and a half hours. Because I knew that I wanted to leave, but I needed that last little push. Mm. And so she talked to me and... That was what I needed. And so I, I called, I made a phone call to my grandmother. My, her and my mom were at the house and I told them, I was like, I'm coming over. So I get there and I just walk in the door oh. and I just stood there in the middle of the floor. I'm going to start crying. <sighs> you all right? Yeah. All right. Take a breath. Take a breath. <sighs> mm. So I just stood there and my mom looked at me and she said, who did that to your face? Really? Do and you I, think that they knew? She knew. I didn't say she a word. Did? I didn't even say anything. I just looked at her. And really? She, she, she <laughs> flew off the handle. She flew off the handle. That mm. son of a beep, beep, beep. And she was, yeah, she knew. And I proceeded to tell them what had really been going on for the last 11 years. Wow. How did you feel when you were telling them, sharing this other part of your story that you had isolated from them for so long? It was like a weight. Yeah. I, I was tired of hiding, right? Yeah. Because I had been living this lie for so long. So, so long. I had been living a lie. And, um, but, you know, 
I felt like I could finally breathe, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, And so, you know, from there, we went to the magistrate and um, got a protective order. And actually, while I was in getting my protective order, my mom had my phone. She was, you know, outside waiting for me. And he had called my phone because he I was supposed to have actually been going with him that afternoon um, to tow some cars. And so he calls while I was inside. My mom answers the phone. She told him I was in the store and that I will call him when I got out. So when I get, get out, I, I called him and I called him when I got back to the house. So we got back to my grandmother's house and um, I told him that I wouldn't be coming to help him with the cars and that I wouldn't be coming back home. What did he say? He told me that he didn't want to live without me. And excuse me, when uh, he said, I know we have to curve our language because of YouTube, uh but did he say I wanted to unalive myself or? No, he said he didn't. He said, no, he said, I don't want to live without you. Mm. Okay. And then I heard a pop and the phone went silent. A pop like a pow pow? I just heard a pop. And I was like, what is that? So I called him back. No answer. I called back again. No answer. Then I started freaking out. Because then it it dawned on me. That sounded like a a G-shot. And I immediately just started breaking down crying. And my mom's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? I told her what happened. She, you know, they're trying Mm -hmm. to break me down. A few minutes later, she gets my phone. And she calls the number back. No answer. She calls back again. Someone picks up the phone. So she's, you know, I could just hear her. Hello, hello. Who's this? Who's this? And so there's somebody, you know, saying that this man was walking down the middle of the street and pow pals himself. What? I didn't know this. Hmm. So. She was like, what? Well, is he gone? (laughs) And so the boy or the person says, I don't know. So my mom says, well, I'm going to call back. So I could hear her. And because I'm hearing what she's saying, I'm is making me more hysterical. Right. You know, I'm on the floor crying and just boohooing. So they're calming me down. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And again, here I am now blaming myself again Mm -hmm. because it wasn't for me. This wouldn't have happened. So um, about maybe 10 minutes or so had passed by. I get calm. She calls back. The person picks up the phone again. It's a boy. Picks up the phone again. My mom says, has has the ambulance come? Yeah, they've taken him already. What? He was like, what? 
Now, it had literally 10 minutes max had gone by. It might not have even been 10 minutes. She was like, wait, what? What do you mean? So when I'm hearing her, and I'm like, huh? So I grabbed the phone. I'm like, hello, who is this? I can the the person, the, the boy, you know, he was like, hello. And I recognized the voice. Well, it, who, who I believe that it is. And still to this day, I don't know, but I believe that it was the apprentice that he had working for him, a 17 year old boy. Wow. That's who I believe that it was because it sounded like him. And I'm like, you got this kid, you putting this kid up to this mess? Right. So once I heard that, I'm like, you know what? Let me straighten myself up because he's playing, right? You back playing games again. Because it's yeah. time that he had faked being this really? was the first time. No, it was about the third. He he this was about the third time. So I was like, all right, here we go. All right, fine, whatever. So we called the police because I needed to go home to get some clothes because I was going to be seeing it, you know, my grandmother. So we called to get a police escort at the house. Um, police escort meets us there. Was he there? No, he wasn't there. So I'm inside getting clothes and stuff. My mom's outside phone to police officer. She tells him what had happened. He calls down to to the uh, um, to the city to find out if there had been a report of Pow pals, none. So the policeman was like, yeah, this, you know, sounds like, you know. Yeah. Yes, which it was. Um, and then, you know, from there, he just continued, you know, to, to play games. You know, after that, he had, you know, emptied out stuff in the house, had taken the dogs. Um some months later, I found out that he had taken um, criminal charges for embezzlement out on me. And the only reason that I found that out was because I had gotten a, um, someone had rear-ended me and I called down the police department so I can get a um, police report for the insurance company. And a cousin of mine works down at the, at the police department. And when she pulls up my name, she was like, you got a warrant out for your arrest. Whoa. Are you kidding me? And, Girl. I like, and she said, yeah. Now, this is April of 2009 is when this happened. The warrant was taken out in August of 2008. So it had been months. Thank God I had never got pulled over or anything because they would have hauled my butt into jail and I wouldn't have known why because I had a felony warrant out on me. That was a felony girl. He had taken felony embezzlement charges out of me. And so I'm at work having this conversation. And so I had to leave work, go turn myself in. I had to go home, have somebody drive me down to the police department, turn myself in. They drive me down to booking. I'm fingerprinted. They take my shot. I'm sitting in the sitting in the little cell watching rats run across the floor. Oh. Um, and have to go before the the magistrate 
in a video conference. Luckily, you know, I had never been in trouble or nothing before. So they released me on my own recognizance with the $2,500. Um, no, they released me on my own recognizance, but I have to get an attorney for court for the, you know, for the charge. And so, you know, I have to go get an attorney, get a letter, go back for the court date, you know, take the letter that I have representation. Mm. Um, you know, I'm working with this attorney and I'm like, I don't even know what these charges are for. So now here I am, um, you know, trying to defend myself against some charges that I don't even know what this mess is for because I haven't done anything. And so originally our, our defense was going to be that for jurisdiction, that where he took the charges out for was not where the office was. Mm. So my attorney's like, okay, well, you know, we're banking on this. So there was nothing for us to really work up or, you know, no defense. Right, right. We get to court, um, you know, a month later, we get to court. And, you know, he's on the stand. So it's the Commonwealth against me. <laughs> mm. um, and he's the witness for the Commonwealth. And um, so, you know, he gets up on the stand. He's talking and has his case or whatever. And the judge was like, well, jurisdiction does not uh, weigh here because the bank itself is a national bank. So jurisdiction doesn't come into play. And so he was like, well, okay, well, since the only um, testimony that I have to go off of is this individual's, um, I'm ready to rule. And then mm -hmm. he, said, he was like, his, te his testimony is the only that I have to go off. He said it two times. And when he said it that second time, I don't know. God just said, he talking to you. And I told my attorney, um, I said, put me on the stand. Oh. And he just looked at me. He was like, are you sure? I said, yes, put me on the stand. He was like, okay. So he tells the judge, you know, my client would like to get up on the stand. Were you scared? It didn't sound like it. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what I was going to say. We hadn't practiced anything. Oh, wow. We okay. had this conversation. So neither me or my attorney knew what we were going to say. Because mm. that was not our We were banking on this getting thrown out. You said, I'm going to speak my speech right now. That's all so I what knew. happened when you got on the stand? So I get on the stand, um, my attorney, you know, he asked me about how long we had been together, what my position was at the company. And I told him, um, he talked about the, the DV piece and, um, you know, like what that was. And he didn't go into a whole lot of detail again, cause we had not talked about this. So he asked me like four or five questions. He said, okay, I rest, rest my case. Commonwealth attorney comes up. He asked me the same questions that he had talked about with the ex. And my, my mom says that I put the Commonwealth attorney on trial because I was like, 
the things that he was asking me, he was very condescending, but the things that he was asking me, they weren't factual. Like you're asking me things about, he had a printout, um, a, a printout of the checking account. And one of the things that was on there was a withdrawal from a bank. It was 200 and I think $80. And so the Commonwealth attorney says, okay, well, what about this check right here? And I looked at it and I said, well, this isn't a check. It says withdrawal. See right here, withdrawal. And, you know, he was just like, you're not, that's not a check. But the things that were checks, because when my ex was on the stand and he would look at the check, he would never say who the check was written to in the check register. It, he would just say what the check number was, the date, and how much it was for. But mm. not say who the check was written out to. That was a waste of time. But they don't care. They just want to cause confusion. Exactly. And smear campaign. And it's what they do. That's what they do. So, you know, when he, the, they showed me the same checkbook register, I said who it was, you know, what was written to, what it was for. Two of them were for the mortgage. One was for, for the electric company. Like, so, you know, and then after that, I just asked the judge, I said, you know, can I speak to you directly? And he, he, he said, yes. And I told him, I said, look, I don't have any reason to steal. Like, I quit my job for both of us to help him with his business and to run mine. I'm not taking any trips. I'm not going out shopping. Like, I don't have a, a nice extravagant car, like none of that. Mm -hmm. I don't have any reason to steal from us. And so after I finished, um, he thanked me for getting up on the stand. He said, I understand what's going on now. Now, on my way back to my seat with my attorney, the other side passes this folded white piece of paper over. And so my attorney looks at it. He folds it back and hands it over to me. It says settlement for $7,000. With the 7,000 crossed over, and then it said 6,000. I looked and I said, Hell no, pass this back. Okay. I'm like, what am I going to settle for? How am I, what do I look like paying you $6,000 for something I did not do? Yeah, you did not. I'm like, if you don't get out of here with that. So the judge says, Okay, I'm ready to rule. I understand what's going on now. Okay, good, good. Miss Holt, I'm glad, I'm glad that I heard from you. Mm. And then he says, there is no case here. Hits his gavel. The whole entire courtroom is clapping and cheering uh, in the movies. It was the funniest thing. Um, Did you but, look at him, at your ex, when all that was going on? Oh, absolutely. At that Good. point in time, I was a year and a half out. And it was, I was at a whole different place in my life. My strength, like, you know, I had been working on myself, my posture, my strength, like everything. So I could look at him and like, <laughs> not I that. love it. Yeah, that, that. that didn't have that funny feeling in the pit of my stomach because I had truly been practicing this. I had on some bad heels. I had on a nice dress. Like I made sure that when I went to court this day, oh, you're going to see all of me. Right. I, am, I am not the same person, right? I am no longer that person. And, you know, I made sure 
that my posture was tight when I went in that courtroom. That's the beauty of you using your voice, finding your strength and using your voice. Yeah. Um, that's undeniable. Yes. Undeniable. And congratulations on that part. Wow. I, yeah. was, I was sitting in there. I would have been clapping as well. It was the craziest thing. You know what? I, 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 I say that, you know, my name was the last thing that he could take from me. Mm. Right? You... You tried to hurt me. You tried to take my life. You tried to do all of these things. The last thing you can do is ruin my name. Yeah. Because that's all, that's all that we have is our name, right? Absolutely. And you tried to ruin that. But again, it did not, you did not prevail, right? It, it did not work because that, you know, that was not, I, I truly believe that's not what God had for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, what that that wasn't it. And so can you yeah. see this? Uh, <laughs> She's saying it's like they were in court. Blind guy, his yeah. wife in their life said it's like they were in court playing court like we used to play house. Yes. At house shaking my head. Yes. That's, yeah. that's like it. Yes. And uh, true, this is tough. It's also strengthening to know that the tribe, oh, this must have been earlier, was true as they really embraced Mm -hmm. you in your unveiling. Talking about your fam. Yeah, that got to me right there. I I could see it. I saw it in my head. So can we pivot to March 2015? May. May 2015. Mm Mm-hmm. And you were driving on the street. <laughs> yeah. Um, May 29th of 2015. Um, I was on my way to the gym. I just left work. I was on my way to the gym on the highway. And the traffic was backed up. Which on this particular highway, never. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and but the traffic was backed up. It was moving really, really slow, backed up for miles. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And as we finally, um, you know, start moving, inching up, and on the, you know, in the grassy median on the other side of the highway, there was an accident. It was a really bad accident, and there was a car that was in the middle of the highway um it looked like it was maybe had been a corvette and the front of it was all smashed in and there you know it was just a wreck over there Mm -hmm. and as i got up to it i I always and i don't care where i am if i see an accident i always pray yeah whoever always that's just what i automatically i just start i do that too you too Mm mm-hmm well, as I'm praying, I get this just, I don't know, weird feeling. I got chills and I just got this, this weird feeling just came over me. And I just- Did you feel it in your body? My, it was my whole body. Oh. Like my whole body was just, I can't even describe the feeling. It was just a very weird sensation. And I was like, okay, God. And I just started praying harder. I was just, just praying harder. And I don't know who I was praying for, 
I don't know why, but I'm, me and God just having this conversation. All right. Okay. Okay. And then a few minutes later, I get a phone call. And it was a friend of mine, a male friend of mine. He was like, he's from New York. So he was like, yo, song. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And I was like, what? What's going on? He was like, yo, did you, did you see the news? And I'm like, I'm driving. I'm on a highway. What's going on? He was like, yo, you know, staff, he, you know, got um accident and say he did this and did that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Wait a minute. Accident? Where? Uh-uh. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are you trying to tell me what I just saw? What I just passed? Is him? Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't know. So I'm like, all right. So me, we talked for a few. He's looking at all the different news channels back and forth. It's all over the news. And, but nobody is saying names. They're just reporting on an accident. They're reporting on two different situations. One was an accident, a car accident. And then they're also reporting on a um, situation at a home in a different part of town. So there were two different things going on simultaneously and, or within that window block of time. Yeah. That they're, they're reporting on these two incidents. Mm-hmm. So they're flipping back and forth in between these two incidents that happened on the same day. And so I get to the gym and I told my trainer, I'm like, look, I can't work out on the equipment. I need to stay by the TV so I can see what's going on. So I'm on the treadmill <laughs> watching the TVs waiting for like a picture to flash up on a screen to see if this is him in this accident that I saw. <clears throat> so my hour or so was up. Um, I'm on the highway. I get on the highway. I'm going home. My phone rings. One of my cousins calls me. And he said, did you see the news? Mm. Now the incident at the house they're saying was to your house or his house or just another house. This was a whole nother house. Okay. Whole nother house in a different part of town. There were, um, there was someone that was deceased in the, in the, at the home. And so, um, they're saying it was a, a woman that mm-hmm. was deceased. And so the phone call that I got and my cousin says, did you see the news? And I said, no, I'm driving. And I just asked him, was it? And I just said the name, Mm -hmm. not, not male name. I said, was it Morgan? And he said, yes. And I pulled over and I broke down crying. Mm, Who was Morgan? Morgan was when I left him and I found out that he was seeing another woman. She was the woman that I said that I talked to the customer. Yeah. It was her. 
Oh, that's right, because you knew her name from the phone records. And I, that part I didn't know. Yes. So he, now this had been seven years since I left. I left in 2008. This was 2015. He had continued to see her all those years. But wasn't he still married? Girl. After I left him, he went back to his wife, which he had been, I believe, and this was one of those things that I don't know to this day, that he was going back and forth. So those one, two o'clock in the morning and all that, he he was living a double life. Okay? He was, yes, he was. He was yeah. living a double life. Mm. And so when I left him, basically Morgan became the me. Yeah. He continued with the wife. The wife was the constant, right? So he was always going back and forth between the homes. And not only had he started seeing her or, con or still, con yeah, continued to see her, he had a baby with her. And the baby um, was one. Um, and he, um, both of them were deceased. He unalived both of them? Girl. He did. He did. Mm. So the incidents, the two different stories that the news was reporting were actually linked. They didn't know it at the time. They just knew that there were these two different incidences. Oh, my but God. Finally, the story got put together because that had happened that morning where he had done what he did in one whole different part of town. And at like early in the morning and then left, went home to where he lived with his family, the wife and the family. Oh, my God. And then sometime that afternoon, he leaves driving on the highway. A off-duty police officer had seen the car because a, a APB had now been put out in the car because they had found her and the baby at the home. And the, the neighbors knew the kind of car. <gasps> oh, that's how it came together. I was always wondering. Yeah. yeah. So, I didn't know if it was a yeah. police chase. I, I just, yes. I didn't know, but yes. oh my God. So he's on the highway. Actually, an off-duty police officer had seen the car, spotted the car, mm -hmm. gives chase. He goes across a grassy median. And the story is that he was on the phone with the family member or something. And it was trying to blame what had happened, saying that, she had actually did that to the baby and then herself, which Girl, was, are you true. Yeah, which was not true at all. Um, oh my God. So when he crosses over the grassy median into traffic coming the other way, um, hits a car, it actually ended up um killing a, well. When, when the accident happened, mm -hmm. another car, it was like three cars that were in the accident, but one car had actually a brother and a sister in it. Um, 
that were traveling to meet their family at the beach for vacation. Oh no. And they How didn't. old were they? They were in their 60s. Oh. They were in their 60s, a brother and a sister um, that were mm. traveling and they did not make it. And then the person, um, the per my, my I, call, I call him jackass, yes, but I'm trying not to say hey, We can use that. I think okay. YouTube will be okay with that. Okay, well, that, that's typically what I call him, jackass. So yeah. he did not make it in that. Um, as well. So the car that I saw that the front of it had caught on fire. Um, and so, yes, that's what happened. So those two different incidents were all linked and they were essentially, he had, was the cause of five people losing their lives that day. Jesus. Four of them that were, you know, two innocent just people by, you know, that were on their way to meet their family um, for mm. a vacation. And then, you know, this woman and her child. So were the, so I know the off-duty police officers saw him, but did he call it in? And Jackass was just driving and that's when they, or were they chasing him? I believe there was an actual chase. Oh my God. I believe there was a chase that ensued. I do believe. That's, I'm that's speechless. the story that the news put out. Yeah. So there was a lot that went on that day. Um, yeah. And, you know, there many lives were changed that day just because of the decisions of one person. Exactly. Just that ripple effect. Just the ripple effect that you have families that are torn apart um, because of this individual and a choice, you know? Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's sad. Was his family an, an enabler to his actions? Yeah. Um, mm. yeah. And still like after that happened, you know, like his brothers, one of his brothers was kind of like the spokesperson for the family, uh -huh. you know, and they were still upholding, you know, that and saying that that's not what truly happened. Um, you wow. know, that he called and said that she did it and, yeah. So it, it, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there were other things that had came out. Um, I'm not even, I, I won't get into. Right. But there were things from his past, you know, that had come out. Um, mm. And again, stories that he had told me, but had told me a whole different version, but that's true. Oh, I'm not going to talk about it now. Maybe it could be a part two, but it I think I know what two. you're, okay, we can do that. We can be a part two. Thank you so much. But I think I know what you're talking about. So I'll just hold it. Yeah. Because I really want, okay. So everyone, you hear this story. I knew some of it from watching um, her, your show, what evil sleeps here, lives evil here. Evil lives here. Uh -huh. Evil lives here. However, 
you know, black girls getting their shift together. We're all about, we're, we're solution based here. And in this particular incident, I see your organization, your nonprofit scars as solution based. So um, even though like Queen is talking about fire, like see fire. That's what I was talking about. Remember I said it was going to come back about that fire. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. She said, jackass is the only one that burned, even though there was tra yes. tragedy for so many. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And this got to me right here. She said, see, those chills were the universe saying, yes. child, don't waste that prayer. Karma got this. Yes. But, you know, I believe that those chills were was my release. And that was God finally tell because up until that time, you know, in those seven years, I was still looking over my shoulder. You know, I would go to the store. I would still be really aware, you know, is he around the corner? Oh, that that's somebody that looks like him. You know, I was still, even though I was gone, I was, I was still very um, careful and cautious. Right. Right. Um, we had outside of our court appearances, I had never seen him out in public. We didn't share any common or mutual friends. So, you know, I didn't have to worry about seeing him in that particular instance. But, you know, when I was out, <clears throat> I was always very cautious. And so that I think was was universe and creator telling me you can let go now. And that it was released. Um, and, you know, that's how I how I look at that. Mm -hmm. And I get I'm grateful, you know, for that, that, OK, I can let go now. When you said that and I was listening to you, I was thinking as if, um, of course, you being set free mm -hmm. or that. I want to say a trauma bond because y'all weren't together, but it still does that trauma lives, trauma lives in your body, anybody's body. Absolutely. And I, yeah. And I believe that that was the release of it just mm -hmm. for you to sp spontaneously cry. I mean, mm -hmm. the universe knows what it's doing. Look, <laughs> absolutely. It really does. Absolutely. So, yeah. So through that, and I had, you know, I had started scars two years prior to. Um, and so. Oh, did this, you? I started scars in 2013. So let's talk about scars. Yeah. And um, before you go into that, I want everybody to take a look in the chat. I dropped Sonia's. There it goes. Her information for scars. So SCARS is her nonprofit. So there's the website I just dropped as well as her email, her phone number, her social medias. I really want you all to reach out to her. And if you know someone that can use some guidance, some coaching about DV, but can you talk about SCARS? Yeah. So um, Second Chance Ever Knowing Self. Um, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. That that's all of him and none of me. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I started the organi organization in 2013 as um, really just to be a way to be able to educate and bring awareness about domestic violence. 
that was the original <laughs> thought process behind it. Um, started out with just an annual domestic violence awareness event called Purple Pillow Talk. And um, see. yes, it's all about the purple. <laughs> all about the purple. So for my audio listeners, I have some mood lighting behind me. And it's, um, Sonia, do you want to describe the color and what the color stands for? Yes. So it is a beautiful purple and purple is the color for domestic violence. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Um, so, um, yeah, so we started the organization 2013 and um, it has evolved now into a full service self-care or I'm sorry, after care organization. Um, we do focus on prevention and healing. Um, and so we provide like one on one um, healing support services. We provide financial assistance. Do you? I didn't know that. We do. That is so helpful. Well, yeah, for survivors. Um, so things such as like deposits for apartments. We've helped pay for car repairs. We've helped pay for utility bills um, for individuals. Um, we don't do emergency services like emergency hotel stays, but we help in transition. So anything that can help individuals that have been affected or survivors of domestic violence um, be self-sufficient. That's what we um, want to focus on. And in our healing support services, we do one-on-one -on -one case management, um, <clears throat> healing coaching. And so just walking alongside alongside um, survivors and help them navigate their recovery and their healing. Yes. And so that's what we do. So these are some of the key words that I heard you say that resonated. I love that you said prevention. Mm-hmm and how you walk people through it mm -hmm. and then the coaching mm -hmm. of course the financial mm -hmm. assistance because aside from the psychological stronghold sometimes i feel i know let me say that i do know some women who want to leave, they are working through that psychological where they are strong enough psychologically, but then the financial aspect, they cannot. So yeah. that is so crucial and so needed. And yeah. then of course the recovery assistance and um, Quita said the same thing while full recovery assistance mm -hmm. in so many ways, sending more mm -hmm. blessings. Thank you. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've, I've just taken, you know, what I've been through because, you know, my personal mission had just been like to break the myth that society has about domestic violence. You know, I just I started calling myself the myth buster at one time. And, you, yes. know, it's, you know, it's all about us. Yeah, we have to have these conversations like because the only way that this ends is through prevention and awareness. That's it. We have to educate. We have to educate, educate, educate. And if people don't know what it truly looks like, because it's not always physical, right? We talked about the emotional and the, and, and the psychological. Those are the things you can't see it. You can't. It, you might hear it, but a lot of times we still don't equate. Like, this is what this is. You know, name calling is not a good thing. And so if we particularly educate our young kids about what this is and how this truly looks, then we don't raise up individuals who become this thing, right? 
Um, so we got to educate. We have got to talk about it. And I'm not afraid to talk about it. You are not because not. you spent more time with me than I expected. But I am so I'm honored, first of all, and so thankful and grateful that you did take this time because you're right. Education is key because I, listening to your story on TV, I remember you or no, it was another interview and you said that you didn't think you were being a mm -hmm. or in DV because he never put his hands on you. This was in the beginning part. Well, he didn't he never touched me. So because of the education, you can I absolutely share that. OK, well, it may start with the mouth, but then it may end with fist or pow pows or mm -hmm. fill in the blank or the ultimate ending. Indeed. It's and so needed. And you don't talk with, oh, this is what I really love about you. When you speak, it is without guilt or shame. No. I believe a lot of black women, and I'm speaking for black women because I'm a black woman and mm -hmm. I have had a past and still working through certain aspects of my life incidents that's happened and I held a lot of guilt and shame from it, but there's always healing in the conversation and people go through incidents and more people go through it than you would think. So then we're, we, we have the, if we are in DV situations, our aggressor will mm -hmm. isolate us. But then we also have that self-isolation as well because of that compounded guilt and shame. So this is a healing conversation. <laughs> I am all here for it. And I really want people listening, please share Sonia's contact information. May I tell people where you're located, which state? Yeah, absolutely. So Sonia's located in Virginia. Now, this is for my audio people. I look at the analytics. Sonia and I talked about it. Virginia, you all are listening to me. You know, I don't want to take up most of this time and yell out some of these cities. But the reason why I'm mentioning the state, can you can you talk about this event, this upcoming yeah. event? And anybody watching, please take a screenshot of my screen right now. And if you can describe the the um, upcoming event for our audio listeners as well. Absolutely. So October, um, we will be hosting our October 21st. We will be hosting our third annual Unmasked the Night Domestic Violence Survivors Gala. And this is a night really just of celebration. And it's our way of um, celebrating survivors and bringing those that have survived um, intimate partner um, situations together, um, advocates, allies, friends, and just anyone that wants to just show support, um, just to come out for a night. Um, it'll be live entertainment. We have dinner, of course, um, dancing raffles, lot, silent auctions, um, and lots of fun. And so it is a roaring 20s um, theme this year. Um, it's not Roaring 20s tire isn't required, but it's definitely encouraged. Um, and it will be um, in Richmond at the Lewis Ginter Botanical Gardens. Um, 
The tickets are available on our website, which is www.scarsorg.com. Um, tickets, um, yeah, you can find tickets there. Um, we have two different ticket options. Um, there's a VIP cocktail reception from six to seven, and then our dinner uh, dinner gala event just starts at seven p.m. So anyone is welcome. Um, if you just want to just show your support. Um, if you can't make it and you just want to support, donations are always welcome um, for us to continue really just to do our work. And so, you know, the um, tickets um, will just go towards us being able to continue to do the work to um, empower survivors in their recovering and healing. Absolutely. I encourage anyone. Now, these are for the people who do not live in, is it Richmond, you said? Yes. Who do not live in Richmond. This is everybody else. <laughs> because Sonia, if you didn't know, Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together podcast is global. Last yeah. time I checked, it's been in over, it's streamed in over 35 countries. Nice. So with that being said, if you all just want to make a donation, purchase a ticket and uh, gift it to someone, mm -hmm. It does. She's telling you what they do. So it goes beyond just the event. We see the recovery assistance of it all. Oh, I love it. <laughs> if, you, if anybody wants a part two to Miss Sonia Holt, please drop a number two in the chat comment section right now. Any parting words? Um, I will say this, that if you are someone that's out there and you know someone um, who is going through, um, if you see it, say something. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to challenge individuals and their behaviors and let them know that it's not okay. If you know someone who may be in denial about what they're going through or if you're just looking to help someone, just be a support to that person. Um, as I said earlier, it's not as always uh, as easy to leave as we may think or what we may want it to be. Mm -hmm. So just continue to support and don't don't leave the person. Um, check on them and just let them know that you're there when they need you. Um, healing isn't easy, but it's necessary. Um, it takes time and it's a process, but it's totally doable if you stay the course. Um, but you got to do the work. Right? Can you repeat that again? You got to do the work. One more time. You got to do the work. Absolutely. You got to do the work. And if you, if people, if you don't think putting in the work won't work, you're looking at a woman right now who has put in the work and it shows and her putting in this work, you know, we talk about the ripple effect that uh, jackass, as you call him, mm -hmm. his ripple effect that he's made that particular day and in the past. But then look at this ripple effect that Sonia has for everyone. And from this, this painful incident of this relationship, and the pain into purpose, as we say. Mm -hmm. 
You are a wonderful soul. Oh my God, this was amazing. Thank, um, you. I, I, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So um, I will hope to see you for a part two. We'll be, we'll talk offline. <laughs> um, everyone, thank you for hanging in there. You all stayed online to listen to this impactful story. Um, if you have any questions, comments, you can always reach me on social media, Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. If you like what you heard, if anything in, resonated in your soul, made your soul vibrate, please like, comment, share. Anyone listening on the audio, give your girl a five-star review. It, I don't mind. And you can also follow and subscribe. It doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything. <laughs> Have a good evening, Sonia. You are everything, everything. And everyone, thank you for listening to Black Girls Getting Their Shift Together. And see you next week. Bye-bye. For the queen, sisters manifesting their dreams. Get your cream by any means and being with self-esteem. Beauty supreme and Buddha walk so mean. The way you fit in them jeans, you eat your cornbread and greens. Dance or a doctor, red wine or vodka. Redesign your spot and redefine your mantra. Retwist your locks and realign your chakras. Doing your squats and getting closer to God, huh? Brunching with your squad or taking a girl's trip. Adjust your crown, you guys give to the world, sis. Celestial body, drink your water. Meditate, sun kiss goddess, heavenly order. Levitate, tribe of Ashanti, black girl magic, melanin popping, whether you ratchet or lavish, whether you bougie or savage, you a gift and a treasure, you got to love a black girl getting a shift together, black girls are getting a shift together, these black girls getting a shift together.